Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez. Joining me, per usual, the great David Gasper, even if his brewers aren't so great. Uh, David, we have a special guest on with us, Lindsey Crosby. Uh, He is the host of the only daily minor league podcast available on Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I am very excited to make my Prospects 1500 debut. We are very glad to have you. And David, how are you doing? Uh, It's kind of like everything was great and then you traded some guys away and now your team's awful. How are you doing over there? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a bit of a rough stretch uh, for us, but... You know, the past few days things have been a little bit better. We got we got a spark plug now, Garrett Mitchell getting promoted to the team. So we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a little rough uh, these past couple of weeks. But uh, the Padres out there, uh, Alex, it's also kind of rough for you. I mean, you get Josh Hader out there, and Josh Hader has not done what anyone expected, and the rest of the team seems to be imploding, and the Padres aren't doing super well either and Tatis is gone and you also have no farm system <laughs> yes as I'm course. sure you're well aware about that farm system yeah well make, I mean it's gonna make my job easier uh, I won't have to really tout anybody up you're, you're going to have to ask Scott if you can do something shorter than a top 50 because I'm not sure if there are 50 farmhands left in the Padre system <laughs> <laughs> no there's not yeah that what a weird thing with Josh Hader I mean, did you guys know this was going to happen, or is he like on a mission to just sabotage the Padres for whatever reason, and then somehow come back to the Brewers? Is is that the plan? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the thinking around here is that maybe they knew an implosion was coming. I, I don't know, but I don't know. He, he's it, throwing just as hard. It's not like he's throwing ninety or anything. Just yeah, I don't know, but it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> I just have to deal um, with Taylor Rogers and Esteri Ruiz, who that they still refuse to call up for whatever reason, yeah. uh, and Robert Gasser. So that's yeah. who I get to worry about now. But not yeah. to Nelson Lamette. Don't have to worry about him. No, no, guess not. Good contributions that he had, yeah. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. Futures Focus here with you. Uh, we have an interesting exercise. I like to do these from time to time to just sort of remind us that we shouldn't get too caught up in the moment. And at the same time, these prospects can be uber valuable in your dynasty leagues and, you know, not to hesitate on the guys, at least that we tell you to not hesitate on. But uh, we're going to actually compare the preseason top 100 list on MLB Pipeline versus the current list that we have up on uh, on the same site. Now, I just I picked that one. It's obviously a more real life centered. In fact, both have the cardinal sin for me of having a catcher at number one overall, oh. which, which is ridiculous for my <laughs> fantasy purposes. But still, I mean, it's an easily accessible one. Anybody can follow along and kind of check it out. And, you know, it's 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 the names are there. They're just kind of in a, a weird order. So Lindsay's going to come out and uh, give us uh, some analysis, I guess, uh, to go a little bit 
and see, you know, what should we have known? Maybe what did we not see coming and kind of analyze those lists. So, um, Lindsay, uh, what are you working on over there? I mean, uh, with this daily podcast you're doing, what is this? What does that mean for you in terms of like gaining knowledge on prospects? Do you find that you uh, are, are a little bit more competitive in dynasty leagues because of it? Does it help in any way? Like, what is that process like for you? So I noticed one that if I ever mention a prospect in our dynasty group chat, uh, that person is immediately taken. Uh, and everybody in my league listens to my show religiously because they're trying to figure out, is that the guy he's going to go get next? So I've learned when writing the show, if I want to go get somebody, I have to get them before I post the episode, uh, which is which is always entertaining for me. But a lot of what I end up doing is looking at lower level guys. I'm watching a lot of guys in A-ball. Uh, I'm trying to watch some complex league stuff and just finding guys that maybe aren't talked about as much. Or I'm waiting to, to find a guy who drops in production a little bit and then go try to buy low on that guy and get him because I know he's a better player than what he's showing on this promotion to high A, for instance. So, yeah, like uh, Anthony Volpe was probably like the poster child for that, right? You you had a chance a few weeks ago to maybe buy him at a price that you would never have been able to beforehand. And we all knew that Volpe is pretty special, even if the the numbers weren't quite backing it up. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's an extreme example, but yeah, Dave, it sounds like he has a lot of power. He can just say things and they kind of go into existence. That must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, if, if I were in the, if I were in that league too, and all of a sudden, you know, you start saying, Oh, I'm looking at this guy, I'd be snatching him up too. Yeah. There was a show, I saw a trade, I wasn't involved in the trade, but I directly watched the trade happen because I did a show about players who were underperforming after the first month of the season. And Anthony Volpe was in the show, because if you remember early in the year, he couldn't hit a slider, like to save his life. And I, I think I said those exact words in the show, and I saw a trade within a day or two in my league where someone had heard my show and went out and tried to snipe the guy low before I could do it. <laughs> it's the power that you don't realize that you, when I started this show, I had no idea that was going to be a skill set of mine was influencing fantasy leagues. Yeah. So, I mean, just having a daily prospect show is such a great idea because as I mentioned earlier, there really isn't a lot out there to choose from. And it's just so nice to kind of get into a routine and you're going off to work with a podcast and getting that each day, staying, knowing just by listening to that, you don't have to go and do your own research. It's sort of done for you and you're on top of everything. It's just, it's just a really great idea. So um really impressed, but I, I am a little intimidated by the power you yield. I don't think we have that much power, David. And if we did, I think we would abuse it a lot too. Oh, hundred percent. This guy is the next great thing. There's Nobody will trade back. with me anymore. Uh, Nobody will trade with me. You got to get those guys. It's like the Tampa Bay Rays. It's like, wait a minute, like the Tampa Bay Rays are trading this guy away or they're trading for this guy. Hmm. It's like, wait, why must be up to something? I'm not. I'm not giving this guy to you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing this. Like, you want some player to be named later called Shane Boz? What? Yeah. Yeah. Who? No. Tampa Bay Rays of Dynasty Leagues. I love it. All right. Well, uh, it is a big news day. Uh, We have had a lot of call-ups, including some really elite prospects and some that are probably on the verge. Of course, the big one we need to talk about, he's batting eighth tonight. He 
probably should be number one overall in MLB pipeline. For some reason, he's third. I don't know why, but it is Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, a guy that in my bold predictions earlier, I thought I thought he'd be up a little bit earlier. I mean, here we are sitting almost at September. Um, I get the reasoning behind it. There's some there's some stuff. They don't want him to get rookie eligibility. And also, I mean, it's getting complicated more so than it was in the past with these call ups, I think kind of had the reverse effect for some prospects. But he's going to be up tonight. Um, David, how good can this guy be? right away and how can he like rival Julio for just fantasy dynasty perfection next year do you think um I mean he can really you know put himself up there I mean who what Julio has done this year has been fantastic um he has lived up to every expectation and hope that that people have had on him as a prospect so you know, if Carroll can live up to his hype and, and expectations as well, then, yeah, I mean, he'll be right up there around with, with Julio. But, um, you know, obviously it remains to be seen. It's only his first day getting called up. But um, if he lives up to his expectations like Julio did, then I, I don't see why he can't. Yeah, fantasy gold mine. These are the guys that we we would tell you to not hesitate, I think, in this entire time. I mean, when we did a podcast a few months ago about double a or lower prospects he was like not we didn't even discuss him as not being number one like it was just a given it was like well who's your number two player because dynasty wise you're getting speed you're getting a hit tool that's insane you're getting power saw him at the futures game um got some swag to him too like he's gonna take extra base he's gonna be so much fun for the diamondbacks and all of a sudden if the diamondbacks can just get like maybe uh one or two starters they're going to be really, really fun. Or three or four. Or four. <laughs> hey, Tommy Henry's locking it down. I love Tommy Henry. Okay, yeah, you need four more to fill out a rotation. You do. Um, couple, let's go over a couple of the other call-ups that we haven't talked about on this show. Uh, a pitcher, Cade Cavalli for the Nationals. And, he, you know, his debut went about as you would guess. He just feels like a guy that's um, – not quite ready. I mean, this this season shows it exactly what I'm trying to say here, I guess. He was like a flamethrower. We saw him in the Futures game last year. He's pumping 102, and people are thinking if he could start the season in the rotation for the Nationals, and yet it took him until August uh, 27th to actually make his debut after a lot of struggles and then really figuring it out. His last month or so has been phenomenal, and he went out there and he struck out six, Threw hard and was all over the place, clearly quite nervous and um, showing that it was indeed his first major league start. So this might be the type of player, Lindsay, that you were talking about earlier, where like his ups and downs have been very interesting. And what do you think he lands in the, you know, when the consistency starts to set in for his major league career? So when you watch the outing on Friday, there's a very clear path to improvement. Like he he got five strikes two swinging three called on the changeup, but he only threw it 13 percent of the time and so i think part of that is be, like you said having some nerves not being settled and promptly getting behind on guys having to pitch from behind in the count and having to go more fastball so i think as he settles down you're looking at somebody who in fantasy you're gonna he, he's he's gonna be a reliable everyday starter for you uh, i'm not gonna stream him but I may take him out of my lineup when he faces somebody like the Dodgers, you know, a top offense. But for the most part, 
He's going to take his lumps, but he's going to get his strikeouts. And he has the tools to put it together and to be a very good pitcher for you for the stretch run, provided you just work the matchups a bit. Yeah, for me, he does seem like a guy that's going to take a little while, but ultimately the upside is still number one. I mean, if he figures it all out, he's got number one starter stuff. I just don't think he's going to get there in a very linear fashion. We're going to kind of continue to see this up and down. I mean, just because that's what's happened in the past. And uh, David, I know you want to talk about this guy next, but I want to just get one guy in before because I'm very familiar with him as a former Braves prospect. And then we'll get to the guy I know you want to talk about a little bit. But that was Shea Langoliers also got the call up for the Oakland Athletics. Of course, he was one of the main pieces coming over to the A's for the uh, in the Matt Olson deal. And uh, he's been pretty darn good to start. The power has been showing up. Of course, um, it's it's tough for Oakland now because with Sean Murphy, you have two really good defensive catchers and they're not playing Langoliers every day. But man, that guy at the Futures game, uh, he really impressed me with how professional it was. I, I think I talked about it. He was the guy who was like talking to Adrian Beltre and he's like, what are we doing this round? And he's like asking, you know, making sure he's doing everything correct. And he just seems like the professional type of player. Um, so I, I see him, you know, he's going to be up for good. I doubt Sean Murphy is going to stay there um, and get in his way for the future next year. And, you know, he's going to play a lot because of that great defense and provide a lot of power. And fantasy catchers are, they're just not a lot of good ones that are going to play a ton with, you know, 20 home run potential. So very excited and happy for him to come up. Still happy with Matt Olson, although he probably will not win the MVP, but he is uh, having a great season as well in Atlanta. But let's talk about your guy, David. It is Garrett Mitchell. What a cool uh, call up for the Brewers. I mean, when you start losing all these games, all of a sudden the call ups do get a little bit more appealing. I wonder if a few more are on the way behind. Maybe you can talk about that, but give us your Garrett Mitchell impressions and what you think he might be able to do for the last month of the season here in Milwaukee. Yeah, I hope more calls are on the way. But, yeah, I mean, Garrett Mitchell, I mean, he really did extremely well after coming back from his oblique injury this year. You know, he missed some time with that. But, you know, he came back and was just absolutely dominating double-A Biloxi. And then he ends up getting the call beginning of August, uh, along with Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer. All three of them went up to AAA Nashville at the same time. And then Asteri Ruiz comes in, and so now you got four stud outfield prospects in Nashville at once, and you know all of them are really hitting well. Mitchell is hitting like 343, 343. Sal Freelich's hitting over 400. Ruiz is hitting over 300 with you know even more stolen bases and extra base hits. He's got like a 14-game hitting streak. Freelich has like a 12-game hitting streak. Weimer's been hitting bombs again. So really, just kind of all those guys are going extremely well. Plus, Bryce Terang has been completely uh, productive, and he's found his power stroke. And, you know, when the Brewers were, were going to call a guy up, Garrett Mitchell actually wasn't even the, one of the first three guys on my radar for who they were who they were going to go with. I thought they would go with, you know, Terang. I still think it's going to be their September call-up when rosters expand. I thought they would go with Ruiz. He's already on the 40-man roster. Uh, or even Sal Freelich, just because he's been hitting so well. But they decided to go with Mitchell, left-handed bats, um, a bit more familiarity with the organization, with the major league coaching staff, having been in big league camp. And, you know, he's, he's going to get a lot of playing time, I, I think, as we go through the, the rest of the season. I mean, Tyrone Taylor hasn't been providing much 
offensively. Mitchell provides a spark. I've, I've even seen it in the, in the game tonight here. Uh, gets picked off, ends up stealing second anyways. Uh, blazing fast speed. Gets on base, hits the ball well. And, you know, really, if he gets those you know pretty regular bats down the stretch, and I think he's going to earn that, that everyday job over Tyrone Taylor, then, I mean, we could be seeing... Uh, you know, the on-base ability, the stolen bases, you know, I'm not sure how much power is going to come this year, but he could be a, a pretty productive guy and a pretty regular player down the stretch. Uh, you know, it's funny. I had a, a teacher today, Mr. Bowie, shout out, by the way. I'm going to tell him to listen to this and see if he listens to it. But uh, he, he just kind of randomly asked me about the contract to Michael Harris and if I was worried about all that money this quickly. And my first instinct is to be like, well, even if he doesn't hit, the spark that he provides on the bases and defensively is worth it. Um, and I think Garrett Mitchell is much the same. And why defense, of course, doesn't count for dynasty leagues or fantasy leagues. However, it can lead to playing time. And so there was really no downside for Mitchell when you're comparing to Taylor, you know, as the alternative. Because even if Mitchell doesn't hit, he's going to go out there and play a great center field. He's going to get on base. And when he does, it's going to be havoc. Um, and he's, you know, going to be able to play consistently for you, um, even if he doesn't hit. And then if, when he does start to hit, which you, you hope he figures out, even if he struggles, then you got something really, really special. So that defense can go a long way as uh, as we progress for uh, dynasty purposes, at least, even if yeah, they're not. 80 counted. grade speed. Yeah. Stolen it, it, bases, all that. Mm-hmm. Turn singles um, and, into doubles. Love it. Lot, lot more call-ups. I mean, there's a lot of guys we can talk about. Um, you know, Von Grissom was kind of a surprise call-up for the Braves. Um, we have Michael Massey in Kansas City kind of having a, a nice little call-up there as well. Um, but I'm more interested in one last question here before we get to our analysis of those top 100 lists for Lindsay. If you're trying to guess uh, about people that have not been called up, but will here because uh, September again is going to. There's going to be some call-ups coming up in the near future. Um, is anybody really catch your eye that you're going to be keeping an eye on to see if they do get the call, um, or are we kind of at the point where like I mean, there's obviously Gunnar Henderson is is the big one left mm-hmm. that we will probably see. But you know. Looking down the list here, is there other guys that catch your eye that you think have a chance to get up here and make an impact the last month of the season that we haven't talked about? I would have said Francisco Alvarez, if not for the ankle injury. Uh, And obviously, we're not quite sure how long he'll be out for, but the Alvarez injury stops things. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez was a good bet. He's just now coming back from the lat. I don't think they're going to be comfortable enough with him to have him up for the the rest of the year. Uh, But when you look at the Yankees, the Yankees have a couple guys that that it's – Questionable whether or not they'll bring them up, depending on what happens at the big league level. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Volpe. Uh, are they going to try to get some help for the big league team for the stretch run? Um, Josh Young in Texas, I like him coming up, playing some third base. I think that he'll be able to contribute offensively right away and somebody That's that I'll good. probably put a claim in pretty quickly when he does come up. Um, and and then a lot of guys we've seen at different times this season, Gabriel Moreno. Uh, somebody who you may end up using at the big league level during the stretch run, depending on injuries and effectiveness. The the Blue Jays can't really afford to drop a game right now. Um, but those are kind of the big ones. Uh, and and really, it's it's 
It's all dependent on what these teams are looking for. I don't know if any of them have a path to play every day, except for maybe Josh Young. I am very curious on why the Yankees would not call up Volpe, where a team, again, I'm, we, we're kind of being homers here because, but uh, my apologies, but the Braves are willing to call up Vaughn Grissom, who has, you know, 20 games at double A. And uh, obviously Volpe is the much higher regarded prospect. Like what are mm-hmm. the Yankees waiting for? I mean, they're losing games left and right. They went on a, a losing streak. So David, like why, why would a team very similar, right? Very, you know, in terms of their aspirations for this year, one's willing to call up a guy and the other is not. What, what do you think is happening there? I, I don't know. I mean, it's like if, if you're trying to win, you'd think you'd want to call up your, your best guys. So maybe they're they're focused on service time or uh, whatever it is. But, yeah, it's it, it's like if your guy's there and he can help you out right now and you're trying to make a run for a pennant, call him up. Mm-hmm. Well, they I did will call point up out. Oh, sorry. Go I will ahead, point out that, that Anthony Volpe, like part of the reason there you may be waiting on him, Von Grissom only got called up because of the Ozzy Albies injury. There was no plan originally to have him in the big leagues this year. The thought was maybe give him a taste of AAA at the very end of the season, but probably AA the whole year, and then look at him in spring training as maybe a Dansby Swanson replacement if Swanson doesn't come back, or maybe a position change to left field if Swanson does. So part of it is the injury luck had to break just the right way to get Grissom up. And so if you have some sort of injury in the infield for the Yankees, then you may look at, okay, do we need to bring up Volpe to fill in a role? Because he's better than somebody we'd get off the street this late in the game. Yeah. And I could, I could go devil's advocate here, but I, I don't truly believe this, but then why bring up Osvaldo Cabrera, who's been playing every day. But I guess the the easy answer to that, which I'll just answer for, for you, is that, you know, the Braves didn't have an Oswaldo Cabrera that they probably would have called up sooner, right? There was just nobody on the infield that could play second base for an extended amount of time, whereas the Yankees have an Oswaldo Cabrera, they have a Peraza, and they have a Volpe, so no need to rush Volpe. Because it's not like Volpe was completely out of this world, whereas like Von Grissom, kind of was showing like, hey, you know what? Let's just go for it. Um, and in worst case, worst you know scenario, you put him back down. If you call Volpe up, I imagine you're probably keeping up him forever, you know, yeah. at that point. So interesting that two seemingly very uh, same situations are turning out much differently. And um, again, the chances of Von Grissom doing what he has been doing are probably pretty low. Um, the Braves are kind of getting lucky with these call-ups that, we're not top 100 guys, like you said, with Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, and Vaughn Grissom all playing out of their minds. Um, but that's fun to be a Braves fan. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and take a break there. And when we come back, we are going to analyze the preseason top 100 list as well as the current top 100 list and see what differences are there, who's graduated, what can we make of their first year if they have graduated, why haven't some others done so What's taking so long? Who should be off of the 100 list? Um, And uh, we'll kind of do a deep dive on that. So Futures Focus, David Gasper, Lindsey Crosby joining me, my guest today. And, of course, my my name is Alex Sanchez. We'll be right back after this. Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. David Gasper, myself, Alex Sanchez, joined here today by Lindsey Crosby, and we are going to do our deep dive on the top 100 preseason and current top 100 list on MLB Pipeline. So feel free to pull that list up if you're capable. Um, if you're driving, I probably wouldn't do that, but it is interesting to take a just a look back this year and see kind of, um, you know, if you were going to trade for some of these guys at the top, was it worth it? Um, and Overall, it's like, yeah, it, it probably was. Um, let me just go ahead and go over kind of the top guys here for MLB Pipeline. Adley Rutschman was at number one. Julio Rodriguez, two. Witt, Torkelson, Luciano, C.J. Abrams, Riley Green, Grayson Rodriguez, Marcelo Meyer, and Francisco Alvarez round out the top ten. And we can talk about guys that you guys uh, see after that. But that top ten's interesting. So, I mean, there's just... There's one name that obviously sticks out um, and another that, you know, you could probably put in that category with Torkelson and Abrams. But overall, I mean, dynasty wise, you want these guys. These are all top 30 assets right now in terms of Rutschman, Rodriguez and Witt. Isn't that true, David? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, they've these guys have really kind of lived up to their their top prospect billing um, and, you know, they're they're really just kind of doing everything that, that we, everyone's really been expecting them to do, just be really kind of all-around studs. I mean, the, they went with Rutschman and, and Julio to, you know, in that order in the top three, but you could have put them in any order, and you would have had pretty much no arguments from, from anyone. I mean, you, you could have gone any direction with those guys, and um, I know, Alex, you probably would have put Adley a, a bit further down just because he's a catcher, but, you know... I think Adley has has quickly turned himself into probably the best catcher all around in, in the game of baseball when it comes to uh, either fantasy or even just just real life, the best offensive producing catcher. Yeah, and they're DHing him too on days off, which is really nice for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Now, Lindsay, as the as the daily prospect guy here, you probably paid a little bit closer attention to Spencer Torkelson than, you know, some of us, because we talked him up last year and he came up and we, we followed him a little bit there, but since his demotion, haven't really been following him. I did check his stats. They're not great um, in AAA, although he's been heating up a little bit lately, but what can you tell us about Torkelson? And uh, is he working on stuff down there? Do you think that he should uh, be a sell low. Are we buying? What are your thoughts? I used to really, really be in on Spencer Torkelson. So I'm kind of torn here and I'm interested in what you have to say about that. So for me right now, he's a hold. It's something where if you look at triple a, some of the outcomes, he's, he's dramatically improved the walk rate, struggled with that a lot when he got called up to the majors. Uh, so right there helps your on-base percentage. I personally, I'm in an on-base percentage league. So I pay attention to those things. 
Um, batting average still had still isn't where we want it to be, and the slugging isn't there as well. So if you, I mean, if, if you sell, you're you're selling a little bit low. Uh, but for me personally, I am holding him. Uh, I, from what I've seen, from what I've talked to folks in the De- Detroit system, they're in Toledo as well. Uh, they've been very impressed with the progress that he's made. It's been he was sent down essentially with with instructions. Uh, this is what we want you to work on. This is what we want you to do. We don't care about the stats. We want to see that you're getting better. And uh, from what I've heard, he he started to do that. The stats are starting to come around. Like you mentioned, the last couple of weeks, he's looked better than when he first got there. Uh, it is a hold for me. I'm not quite at the point where I'm going out and trying to buy more shares of Spencer Torkelson, but I am holding what I have. Yeah, I was, uh, David, I'll ask you this. Vinny Pascantino or Spencer Torkelson? Next year, and, and like in a dynasty league, if we're starting, who do you who do you got? Um, I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna hold with Torque. I, I'm with Lindsay there. I'm I'm gonna hold with him and and just kind of see if he's able to to get it back going again and uh, perhaps just kind of get himself right or whatever adjustments he needs to make. And because um, his potential, you know, especially paired with Riley Green in that lineup, could make Detroit. Uh, really good, especially once they get a new GM and front office leadership. Maybe they can actually turn things around and actually turn some of their uh, stud prospects into good players at the big league level. So I'm hoping that it that uh, that's going to be happening. Yeah. What about you, Lindsay? What do you think? Who who would you prefer next year for if you're a dynasty startup? As much as I like Vinny Pascantino, and I do love some Vinny P, I think the ceiling of Spencer Torkelson is significantly higher. And, and he's a guy, and again, I love Vinny Pascantino, but we were talking about 70 grade power on Torkelson. I mean, that's where we had him. And, and for me, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on that yet. I'm a, I'm with David. I think that if you could get a new GM and a new front office and a new player development staff, you could really make some gems out of the Detroit system. But, uh, it very much the talent is there. It is real, and the adjustment period is longer than we thought it would be. But he is making positive progress. If he went down to AAA and looked the exact same, I would be leaning Vinny Pascantino. But since he looks better, I'm going with. I'm still holding Torkelson. Yeah, it's just interesting because like Pascantino doesn't have the numbers that jump off, but the analytics suggest that you know he is really ready to kind of take off in the future. I mean, the hard hit rate, his strikeout rate, all that stuff looks really, really good. Whereas like Torx kind of just got really ugly there at the mm-hmm. end. But um, anyway, we're, we're, we're a prospect show there. There's no doubt about that. So uh, again, not trying to talk about too many major leaguers, but you know, we haven't been able to talk about Julio and Bobby and Adley and Spencer for a while. We missed them. So, um, but let's talk about some of these prospects. And I have a question here for you, David. Um, oh, yeah, I do. Marco yeah. Luciano was number five on the top 100 preseason list and got bumped down to number 17 on the current list. And you think, OK, well, he hasn't had a great year. Now, he has been injured. There is that to say. But, you know, 354 on base percentage, 285, nine home runs in 48 games. So you take I mean, is this just injury with him or like? Have these other guys passed him up that are ahead of him now, like uh, an L.A. De La Cruz or your boy Churio, 
or the draft picks. Um, what are we supposed to think about this when a guy, you know, get, drops this much but hasn't really done anything on the field to, to warrant it? Yeah, I mean, Luciano's a guy. I mean, he was a pretty highly ranked prospect at a very young age kind of coming up. And I think injuries have played a part in it this year when it comes to uh, his lack of production and, you know, just trying to, you know, first missing some time and then, you know, just trying to get back into it. Uh, I think that certainly plays a role. And, you know, it's like he's dropped down a little bit, but it's nothing like too far. It's not like he's dropping out of the top 100 or, or anyone's, you know, completely soured on him as a prospect. You know, I think he just kind of needs a, you know, a little bit more, you know, development time, a little bit more time being healthy, getting those at bats under his belt. Uh, I think that's some of that's definitely going to help him out. And, you know, once he does, and once he's back to 100% and, and getting into a groove, I'm sure his, like his stock is going to bounce right back up. So, you know, I think it's just kind of, of being such a highly rated prospect at such a low level. Cause I mean, really, for, for most of the, the top 10, either at the beginning of the year or even now, a lot of it is guys that are in AAA or, or in AA. Like they're pretty much right there. Uh, so there's a lot longer track record with the, with them. Um, and Luciano was right up there with them, but he was in A-ball. You know, he, he was much further down the system. So, you know, there's a bit more fluctuation, I, I guess, with guys like that. But, you know, once you reach the upper levels, AA, AAA, uh, you pretty much know what what you have with them and Luciano, you know, very high ceiling as we all know, but you know, there's not quite as much of a guarantee as there was with guys like Adley or Julio or Bobby Witt um, who are doing it at much higher levels. Yeah, what's interesting is Noel V. Marte kind of has the same thing happening to him, where like, mm-hmm. yeah, his season's not phenomenal, but. If you have, if you were willing to put him up that high, which preseason 11 and now he's at 18 with no injury, um, that's interesting for me too. So um, it's I only think seven Luciano, spots. You, you know, what's that? It, it, it's not like he's going from 11 no, no. down to like off the list or like the the 90s exactly. or anything. Like that's, I guess it's not like oh, no, all he's no, done for. No, no, no. My point is, it's not so much like, why are they falling? But the guys in front of them must have passed them is, is I guess, what I'm getting to here. So yeah. uh, that's, you know, your Jackson Cheerio, yes. Jordan Lawler. I can see him passing those two. Ellie De La Cruz came out of kind of nowhere. Um, and these are insane ceilings, whereas, you know, Marco Luciano probably isn't staying at short. Um, Noel V. Marte might not either, although... Um, you know, he has a better chance, certainly, than Marco. So, Lindsay, coming to you, like, it, what about that hypothesis? I know I kind of took a roundabout way to get there, but that's kind of what the point I was trying to make um, about these guys that are uh, now ahead of those two. Is that more the case, or uh, or are you lower on Luciano and Marte than, um, you know, now than you were at the beginning of the year? I think this is one of those situations where, one, the the traditional prospect rankings and the fantasy rankings would be a little bit different. Luciano offensively performed better, but defensively kind of took a step back. And we kind of, a lot of the the people who watch this stuff kind of closely feel like he's probably, he's more likely than not to move off of short. And so you can improve offensively. But defensively, which we don't care about for fantasy, but defensively, he's going to fall in the rankings a bit because he's now playing a less premium position. Marte, I'm a little less out on his offense. I don't necessarily feel like he handled the the promotion to to Dayton as well as I thought he would. Uh, so for him, it's just a matter of not looking as good as I hoped on the promotion. 
Luciano very much is just, I think he fell because of defense. And offensively, if you can find somebody who's holding Luciano, who saw that that drop and is little willing to come down on the price a bit, go buy him a little bit low because I'm still a believer in his offense. Uh, it's just he got downgraded for probably having to move off of shortstop yeah. to third. I can't imagine so for, that. For our uh, prospects, 1500, uh, prospect challenge dynasty league i got marco luciano in with my first round pick i was picking like 15th so i will take your advice Lindsay, and i will hold mm-hmm. i will not i will not sell low hold yes my my only counter to that is like did we ever think luciano like especially at the beginning of the year was going to stay on short i mean i feel like we've been talking about how he's going to be moved off i guess it's like he's probably off of the dirt now He's probably an outfielder. I guess maybe that probably comes into play. But, um, yeah, I don't think – I mean, it's been a while since anybody really thought he was going to play shortstop for the Giants. Now, though, the exciting part of this exercise, which is these newbies, if you will, in a sense. Um, let's just go over the list of sort of the names that maybe you, you didn't expect to see in the top 15 just even a few months ago. You got – I mean – you got some catchers in here. There's no doubt that these are great players and, and very valuable. I mean, I'm even coming around on the catching position in fantasy more than I have been. But really? You know, yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Gabriel Moreno and Diego Cartaya and Francisco Alvarez are all top 10 prospects, according to MLB Pipeline. Now, I wouldn't have them that high by any sense, but I, I do understand, like, if you have a, a good catcher, that's like having a good tight end in, in football. Anyway, I digress. The... The uh, the guys you might not expect to see, Jackson Churio at 11, um, L.A. De La Cruz at 15, and some of the draft picks, Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday. Perhaps maybe you you were that high on them, and I'm talking about the, you know, the collective whole here. But I think for a lot of people, including myself, you get to know these guys after they get drafted and you realize just how good they are. Whereas you know somebody like Gasper who does his homework like he should, um, he already knew. Right. <laughs> Those guys are that good. Um, and then, you know, what do we think? Let's go. Let's talk about those three guys that that didn't get drafted. Ellie De La Cruz, Jackson, Cheerio. And um, I guess those two. Let's talk about those two first. Uh, let's do a debate, because I, I know you're probably taking Cheerio ahead of Ellie De La Cruz, David. Yes. And I would probably <laughs> I would take Ellie De La Cruz ahead of Cheerio. So well, I want Lindsay to sort of be the tiebreaker and see where where he's at. Um, I'm sorry, David. I'm also looking at Ellie De La Cruz. Really? Yes. Okay. And it's it's something where and it's nothing at Shurio. I think they're both fantastic players. It's like deciding which of your children you like more. <laughs> but if you if you're honest with yourself, there's one that you like more. And to me, Ellie De La Cruz, there's there's I feel like the ceiling might be higher. And part of that is probably a little bit of recency bias because I've seen Ellie De La Cruz in person and I haven't seen Jackson Churio in person. But to me, Ellie De La Cruz has has had the production uh, after jumping to double A, which is, as we know, the biggest jump in competition level most prospects face short of going to the big leagues. Uh, and then, I mean, it looks like he's got everything. Jackson Jr. has everything as well. They both project to have everything, but we've seen De La Cruz do it against a higher level of competition. And so uh, it, it, it may be the wrong call, but for me, if I can only pick one for my dynasty, I'm picking Ellie De La Cruz. 
Okay. Well, you know, you you can do that. I will I will take my Jackson Churio, uh, who has been flying through the system at 18 years old, already making high A. And Lindsay, you and I talked about this the other day on your Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, talking Jackson Churio for quite a while because he's an absolute stud. And I remember telling you back then when you're like, okay, what what, what do you think this guy performs like? And I told you a, a little anecdote that. His manager in Low A Carolina, Victor Estevez, he gave a he gave a comparison. You know, he was asked the same thing. He's like, oh, what, what do you see with with Jackson Churio? And he said he reminds me of Ronald Acuna Jr. His own manager gave him a Ronald Acuna Jr. comp, and for me that for me, Alex, I know you are a big Ronald Acuna Jr. fan. And if if Ronald Acuna Jr. is your, you know, he was a number one overall prospect and he's an absolute stud, I will gladly take a second version of Ronald Acuna Jr. So, you know, if his manager sees it, he's he's going to see it better than any of us. So for that reason, I'm going with Jackson Cheerio. Yeah, as as incredible as it is to say, like Cheerio is one of the safest prospects in all of baseball, in my opinion, because people that. Uh, in the past have done what he's done at his age at those levels become like all-stars or at least very, very good regular. So I can, I can see a world where LA De La Cruz never makes it to the big leagues where something just gets in his way. I I can't really see a world where Churio isn't at least up um, in the big leagues and uh, producing some, you know, positive way. Um, of course, the other thing that comes to mind for me, if I'm choosing these two, um, there's two things, actually, it's the position, right? So Churio's an outfielder. Whereas De La Cruz is at short, probably third long term, I guess. But he, he might start and give you a few years at shortstop, which is super valuable. I mean, if they are equal and one's a shortstop and one's an outfielder, that's, that's pretty nice. Um, but also like the body type. And um, I actually met Jackson Cheerio at the uh, Futures game in, in L.A. De La Cruz. I didn't get a chance to actually talk to him. He was in a, like an enigma there. He was just having a blast and everywhere he's hanging out with Eric Davis, just really cool to see. But the body type is just insane. We're, you know, Churio has, is six foot one, 165 right now. You know, who knows how accurate that is, but we're talking LA de la Cruz is like six, five, the switch hitting the speed. I mean, the tools out are out of this world. And with that being said, there's a lot of paths to him never even getting to the big leagues, which is risky, um, which might make David sound a lot smarter than us in a few years here be when Jack, you know, Ellie de, de la Cruz actually never makes it. But if I had to choose one, I'm, I'm getting the ceiling, which is, I think what you were talking about, Lindsay, where the ceiling is just, um, we don't see this ceiling very often. I feel like O'Neill Cruz is a good idea of like the ceiling and, and Cruz has been, you know, hasn't been Cruz just hit 117 mile an hour home run off Corbin Burns today. <laughs> so I just watched that a few minutes ago. So yeah, take that for what you will. Absolute missile. Dude, well, dude just, like, it is unreal, the exit velocity that, that he hits. Like, I feel like he needs his bat to be drug tested. Like, like it, it's almost beyond the laws of physics. I have a personal theory about those guys, those taller guys with the longer arms. They have such long levers that they're able to generate that insane, almost like a bullwhip motion with the bat. And it gets something that O'Neill Cruz obviously does very well. Aaron Judge is the poster child of that insane bat speed and insane exit velo. And it's something where Ellie De La Cruz, not as big as them, but still 6'5", 
very long limbed when you see him in person and and somebody who kind of fits that same model of when he makes contact with it, that ball is, is probably losing its cover and ending up out of your ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can get him in sync, I, as a six foot eight man could not get him in sync when I was a hitter, uh, which is why they moved me to the mound and why my career has not taken off where I earn millions of dollars playing baseball, unfortunately, but and you're, if you can get him in sync, you can make yeah. millions of dollars. And you're and you're talking about not only getting in sync, but getting in sync as a switch hitter, which yeah. is a, you know we don't see people like him switch hitting like, no. at all. We don't um, see people like him at shortstop either. No, uh, the 80 grade swag also like his bat flips. If oh. you've seen him, I'm sure Lindsay, you've seen a few of the bat flips and the way he handles himself. Whereas Jackson Cheerio was just he was very polite and quiet. He hasn't developed that 80 grade swag yet. Um, yeah. Sure, it's coming though. The De La Cruz drip is real. Yeah, <laughs> it's filthy. Um, let's talk some pitchers then. Uh, these pitchers are interesting to compare when we go back. So uh, the first pitcher on the list here, uh, we don't really need to talk about too much. Just a stupid little back injury that really probably was overabundance of caution more than anything uh, with Grayson Rodriguez. He's a stud. He is by far the best pitching prospect in the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and still currently. And I don't think there's any debate for that. It's what uh, is next because the list does differ quite a bit. You had Jack Leiter at number 12 at the preseason, which is insanely high for me. I'm not just try to, you know, retrospect or anything. But you had Reed Detmers, who, who's shown some glimpses. Hunter Green shown some glimpses. Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, Nick Lodolo, George Kirby, Emerson Hancock were some of those pitchers. Now, George Kirby has had, uh, what, probably the best out of all of those guys in terms of fantasy-wise. Um, I don't, I'm not going to put anybody on the Angels the best at anything, so we'll put, we'll put him ahead of Detmers. Then we take a look at the pitchers that are on the current list. Um, Yuri Perez, Daniel Espino, Taj Bradley, Kyle Harrison, of San Francisco, Bobby Miller of Los Angeles, um, Ricky Tittleman and Toronto. And let's do one more. Uh, well, now we'll stop there because uh, Brian Bell has kind of been up. So um, I just gave you a bunch of names, right? So like group one or group two, uh, who do we like better moving forward um, for for this year and next year? Well, I guess all next year. These these guys probably aren't coming up dynasty wise. Lindsay, what do you uh, which group do you like a little bit more? I think I like group two uh, and specifically it's because of Andrew Painter and Kyle Harrison. I'm a big fan of both Andrew Painter and Kyle Harrison. I think that they Painter has had just a phenomenal streak of no runs allowed. I want to say he went almost a full month without allowing a run uh, is now in double a um, has, has the tools uh, seems to handle the promotions to higher levels. Well, he's now on his third different level this year. A one, two, three ERA in 19 starts. Um, he he went from A ball to to high A and brought his ERA down, and it was at 140 when he was promoted. Um, so just has looks fantastic. I like Painter. I like what Harrison does. He's got great velocity for a lefty. Got a lot of swing and miss. Things at 167 strikeouts and just over 100 innings this year. Um, Walks are a little too high for Kyle Harrison, something he'll work on. You can see it in the whip. So it hurts the ratios a little bit, but even still uh, love both of those guys. They're kind of the reason I'm jumping on group two. Yeah. It's sort of a case study, right? 
um, as how quick the fall and the rise can be for some of these guys. Jack Leiter at number 12, very, very high. I mean, number two overall uh, pitcher in the preseason, and he falls to 48 um, at this point in the season. So, um, David, that's kind of why I don't like to do pitching uh, that early, just because you can have somebody that you think is, you know, a, a first or second round type of value. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, fourth or fifth range, they go back up or you're a Max Remember Meyer. Remember Asa Lacey? Asa Lacey. What do we do with Max Meyer? You know, I mean, I, I like what I saw, um, but now he's out for a year, you know, and then does he come back? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is an interesting thing. You know, John Smoltz is, is fascinating to listen to a lot of times, especially the other day when he said he'd rather give up a leadoff home run than a walk to begin an inning. Um, found that quite fascinating. But what he did say one time um, that I found t- to stick with me is that when you come back from Tommy John surgery as a Justin Verlander or anybody that has some major league experience and success, you come back pretty consistently to that same form because you know what it takes to pitch. These guys that are getting it right at the brink or before, um, you know, in, in the major leagues, not achieving success yet in the major leagues, it's quite different in terms of the success rate, uh, much lower because they not only have to come back to where they were at, but now they also have to figure out major league pitching. So when you're just trying to get your release point back and and you're just supposed to figure out the major leagues for the first time, it's just very difficult. So um with that being said, David, what do you think about, uh, you know, these pitchers here um, and, and kind of investing in them? Because you got to invest in a Yuri Perez or a Kyle Harrison now. Um, and uh, are, are you still kind of holding strong on, on the pitching is OK or are you rethinking that now with a, a little bit more information? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, for some of those guys like, you know, your Yuri Perez's, like, you know, you you really probably should, you know, in, invest in them and keep them going because, you know, pitching is still, you know, a part of your your fantasy roster. It's still kind of, you know, important thing to, to have and, and having some good arms like that can really help you out and picking up some extra categories or however, you know, scoring you, you do. But, um, yeah, you know, those guys, you know, they may be a bit more hit or miss, but... You know, you, you still do have to at least kind of, you know, try to go after some of these hits. You know, even if they aren't going to be as frequent, you still have to take the shots at them. And, you know, because then if they do hit, then, you you know, you got a, a, a stud for, for however many, you know, years to come if they're able to. So, you know, it's just a, a matter of just, just taking your shots and, and just trying to take your best guess. You know, it's. It can be tough. I mean, it's it's almost probably like quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you don't know if this guy, if he could be number one overall pick. You don't know if he's going to be a stud or if he's going to be a bust. You know, it, it just kind of happens with, with those kinds of players. The next thing I wanted to, to go is get out of these elite guys because you, you guys are absolutely right. If you were ranked number 10 and now you're ranked number 30, like, sure, the value has gone down a little bit, but still you have a nice asset. It's the guys that are at the lower end of the list. And I want to talk about, you know, the top, the, the bottom 10 or so on both of these lists. Um, Andy Pahays, Kyle Harrison, Harry Ford, Bryson Stott, Nick York round up uh, the last couple of ones on the preseason list. Um, those names aren't bad. Like you said, Kyle Harrison had a big jump. Bryson Stott's sort of figuring it out now in Philadelphia. Andy Pahays seems to uh, just keep hitting home runs all the time. Uh, Harry Ford, 
eh, okay, Nick York's kind of had a, a disappointing season, but those are pretty decent names. Um, the the back end of this current list strikes me as a lot more uh, random in 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 terms of their potential outcome. I was, you know, these guys seem a lot safer than these names I'm about to to list off. Like uh, Luis Camposano is still somehow on this list at 98. Uh, Tick Tink Hence for St. Louis, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Brandon, uh, is it, you might know, Lindsay, is it with the, the P, is it a, a fat, fat or, yeah, you don't pronounce the P. Brandon Fat. Name. Yeah. Fat. So Brandon Fat, uh, Brock Porter, Alec Burleson, um, Alex Ramirez in New York, like these names, sure, I'm sure there's some argument for them, but they seem a lot riskier than the back half of the top 100 and the preseason. Just my thoughts. What are your thoughts on, on kind of the back end of the list, Lindsay? Kind of like you said, a little bit more random. And this almost feels like when they originally made the list, these guys weren't on it. And then between when they made it and it published, some guys graduated and they had to put somebody in. Uh, yeah, it feels a little bit more random. And then with Hintz and Rodriguez, it's a, it's guys that are very young. Well, Hintz is 20, but lower levels that are kind of everything's off of one year, right? Hintz was a incredibly... Uh, stellar year this year but first time we've really seen that out of him and so i feel like a lot of this is smaller track record alcantara uh, 20 years old in a ball he should be looking like a pretty decent player if he's 20 years old in a ball a lot of this is just small sample size and or it's high level guys like a brandon fat like a D.O. hall who we think are going to be pretty decent but aren't top prospects that are getting ready to, ready to debut, or in Hall's case, already has. Yeah, David, looking at uh, number 88 and number 89 on the preseason list should make both of us pretty happy. Um, of course, we had both of these guys that I'm talking about, Sal Freelich, who was ahead of Michael Harris. How, how dare they? But uh, Michael <laughs> Harris at uh, 89. Um, these guys have jumped up to being elite-level dynasty uh, at least in the case of Michael Harris. Self, you'll have to tell me your thoughts on how much you would bump Sal Freelich up. But what is a guy uh, – well, first, let's hear what you think about Sal Freelich because I'm interested to see, um, you know, as a comparison to where Michael Harris is on the list uh, if you're much higher than him. But then a, the second part of the question is, who is who do you like down here at this range that you think could be the next Michael Harris, the guy that just jumps up to, like, top 40 dynasty apps asset where you just – you're not trading him for anything? Yeah, I mean, Sal Freelich is, is someone that, you know, has really kind of come on, you know, extremely strong in his second full season. I mean, he's basically backing up the same numbers that he had last year, uh, hitting 327 on the year, on base percentage over 400. You know, he's a guy that, that's going to get on base. You know, he's stolen some bases. He's got 17 stolen bases. Um, not a huge stolen base threat like a guy like Garrett Mitchell or a Siri Ruiz. And he also doesn't really have the, the same kind of power threat. Uh, only seven home runs on the season. Hasn't hit one in, in AAA yet. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be too much power with, with Freelich's profile. I think it'd be great for for an, on, for an OBP league. Um, you know, if you're looking on base percentage, Sal Freelich's going to be your guy. He's not going to bring too much in the way of power, uh, but he'll get on base. He, he'll move around. Um, so that's someone that, that I really kind of like there. And, um I'd probably still go with Harris over Freelich as a fantasy asset, just because Harris does have more of that power potential. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you know, down here on this current, you know, kind of towards the end of the top 100, uh, probably pipeline, you know, you got a couple of guys down here, Nick Gonzalez, uh, Zach Geloff, uh, you know, they've been having, uh, you know, they're in what double a here and they've been putting up some, some pretty solid numbers. So, um, you know, those are two guys also, I think to, to kind of look at Gonzalez probably isn't going to bring too much in the way of power, uh, either, um, but, you know, still can, can be productive and, and get on base and, and have those high on base percentages. Okay. Lindsay, if you take a look at the bottom, you know, one third of this list, who is the guy that you think could be that, you know, that Michael Harris that jumps up and, you know, obviously would be, uh, you know, a, a winner, a dynasty winner. And in, in some cases when you're getting them almost for free and, uh, just becomes a, an elite dynasty asset. Every time I watch him play, I seem to become more enamored with Alec Burleson. So 103 games in AAA this year, 325, 367, 532. Uh, 20 home runs, 43 extra base hits. Uh, defensively, he's not necessarily great. That doesn't matter in fantasy, which I love. Um, speed's not fantastic, so he, he's not going to steal a bunch of bases, but very, very good at making contact. Going to always have a high batting average, high on base percentage. Still going to bring you power production. Um, so he's someone that I just, I, I very much have taken a liking to. 103 games, only struck out 66 times. I mean, uh, just excels at contact, getting on base, and putting the ball over the fence. What else can you ask for from a from a guy who's a virtually free in a dynasty league? Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, he's getting close. And I think that's important too. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing to take a Kevin Alcantara and say, you know, I'm shooting my shot on this guy, um, but he's not helping you anytime soon. Like uh, Alex Ramirez, same sort of thing. Jackson Merrill, those types of guys. Yeah. We could see the potential there, but who is going to help you like immediately next year. That's in this range. Um, So very interesting to me, the guy, the name that sticks out that like, if I was making my, my top 100 list today, um, I'd have probably 30 to 40 spots higher. That's Gavin Stone for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just don't know how you could not rank this guy higher than 81 right now. And uh, I'm supposed to take like a Jordan Westberg or a Bo Naylor or even his teammate Pepio. Uh, Matt McClain, like these names seem insane that I'm supposed to take, you know, over Gavin Stone, who has only had a 1.4 ERA in high A, a 1.6 ERA in double A, and recently had a, um, no runs allowed in his four inning debut at Oklahoma for the Dodgers. And uh, by the way, you get to play for the Dodgers <laughs> and fantasy uh, does count wins or at least, you know, quality starts a lot of times, but a lot of win leagues out there. I can't imagine that, uh, you know, Gavin Stone, if he gets that spot, wouldn't be a 15 game winner right away for the Dodgers. If they put him in the rotation, now getting into that rotation might be the hardest part of everything, but yeah, Gavin Stone seems like he's out, way out of place here on this list. Um, but then again, you know, think, Von, Von Grissom's there too at 79. That, that seems yeah. out of place as well now. But yeah, Lindsay, go ahead. <laughs> and and part of the issue with Gavin Stone, I think too, is he hasn't necessarily been going deep into games. I think he averages just over five innings a start. Uh, and I mean, stats are great, like you said, one six zero ERA in Double A, one four four in in, in High A. Uh, four innings of of scoreless, hitless ball to open his AAA tenure. Um, I think 
And it's not necessarily a concern for us except for quality starts. If he's only going, if if he's averaging five innings, you're yeah. you know you're you're concerned about are will I get a quality start or not out of him every time he goes out? But if he can work on the depth and longevity of the start a bit, I think he's absolutely probably 30, 40 spots higher. And I'm personally taking him as a steal early. Yeah, I mean, um, Spencer Strider, sort of the same idea, right? He's not going six, seven innings every game. And, he, you know, he's getting through five, six, uh, six at the most, it seems like. But the, the stats are just so pristine and elite that you'll be fine. Uh, and, you know, in terms of fantasy pitchers right now, I mean, there's not too many guys higher than than Spencer Strider on the overall ranks for this season. So I, I could see Stone kind of even with that, which is a great point. And I don't think the Dodgers will ever have a need for him to go eight to nine innings and, and right. get you those those long starts. But um, I do think that a lot of things line up for for Gavin Stone very, very well. Um, speaking of which, uh, Spencer Strider, not on the top 100 list to begin the year. Just another fun fact. Very, very fascinating. Spencer Strider is a fascinating case. And what happens if you give a guy that has an elite reliever's arsenal and just put him in the rotation and let him pitch as long as he can per game? I mean, he's fastball slider, and that's pretty much about it. And he has fantastic success. What, 158 strikeouts in just over 106 innings? It's it's amazing by the Braves. I love so what they've done with this. The, the key with that is what you're saying, like the reliever arsenal for sure. But he does have a changeup that he throws like a lot more than you, you might guess. And it doesn't have to be good. It's just the fact that he throws it and it's not that slider and it's not the fastball. True. And it's turned into like a weapon that he can use at times and just really mess up hitters because it does you know, you got to gear up for a hundred, but you know, um, you know what that sounds like to me. And this is, this might be the, the Bruce side of me, but it sounds a lot like early career, Freddie Peralta who came up. He had essentially almost one pitch. He just had a fastball, like a couple different variations of it, but he had like two pitches at most for like the first few years of his career. And they threw him out there as a starter. Um, and he ended up doing pretty well for a guy with only two pitches and, um, just kind of dominating guys. And I'm, now, I mean, if you add pitches to that arsenal, like, like, I mean, Peralta's added, you know, two more pitches. He's got four pitches now. If you add more pitches to Strider's arsenal, I mean, just imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, we're in this age where, like, why can't professional pitchers maybe add on a pitch? It doesn't have to be plus-plus. Like, you're never going to add on just a plus-plus pitch randomly. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some exceptions on to that. On that note, like, George Kirby, after he came up, added a cutter. Robbie oh. Ray taught him a cutter. Yeah. And he throws – it's like the second most used pitch he throws now. I was thinking the other day, like, he needs to get back to throwing more sliders. But he this cutter is so good, and he learned it from Robbie Ray during the season. It's just amazing to me how, a, like, a rookie can do that. Yeah. You know who else has an amazing cutter? Corbin Burns, reigning <laughs> National League Cy Young winner. And he didn't have that when he first came up. He didn't yeah. have that as a prospect. Mm-hmm. He was mostly a fastball. He was mostly a fastball slider guy. He went to the pitching lab and he came out and all of a sudden he's got cutter, curveball, changeup, and the slider's like his fourth best pitch now. And he's got like five, six different pitches. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine that with the analytics and the data and everything we have, that like pitchers that we think are relievers or at least high reliever risk, like maybe we should rethink that and say, well, 
let's let's track pitches and what's being thrown. And, you know, if it's the same thing every time where you're just throwing two pitches and you, you never add a pitch, obviously it doesn't kind of fit to what we're saying. But when you see something like that, uh, I think the, you know, it's so easy to think of a starter going to a reliever, but why not the reliever to the starter role with, a, you know, Corbin Burns and the Spencer Striders of the world? And it's not going to be everybody, but it, it can happen. And we can't just kind of get locked in our reliever only mentality on um, Spencer Strider, by the way, fun. Uh, he's a strict plant only eater. Doesn't eat any meat. No oh. vegan. So I might become vegan now. If I could grow a mustache like that, I would be vegan. I think if you can grow a mustache like that and throw hundred miles an hour, you can do whatever you want. I would be vegan to get that mustache. Yeah, exactly. I struggle with mustaches. It's a shame. I go with the beard. It's, it's yeah, well, so much easier. Oh, of course. But I, I, mean, I don't have to shave any. Like it, 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 just let it grow. A good mustache though that looks good on you, man. That's that's tough. There is tough no box. mustache that would look good on me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, just I can't. Yeah, it sucks. I wish. I don't have the face. I don't have the personality. To pull November's off. coming up too, right? We could all try in November, shall we? I, I do no shave November, so I just okay. let it all grow out uh, instead of instead of November. The hockey beard, beautiful. All right. Uh, well, I do think we have to sort of wrap up there uh, for the the sake of time and not having a four hour podcast here for you, because obviously we can go over each and every one of these names. There's some uh, some fascinating things. I see uh, some names on here. I, we didn't get to talk about like, uh, hey, Drew Waters was a top 100 prospect uh, for in 20. Your boy Asa Lacey was as well. Um I love how we both laughed at you saying Drew Waters as a top 100 prospect. <laughs> he made it up. Good for him. I always like that. That's true. Maybe and a change of scenery is just what he needed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, He's got power things. now all of a sudden. Somebody asked me recently, they were like, when do you give up on a prospect? I'm like, when you've changed everything but like the the place that they play. Mm-hmm. And Drew Waters was the guy they tried everything. And finally, yeah. they yeah. moved him to Kansas City. And he seems to be doing okay. And sometimes that's just what you need is a change of scenery. I honestly think he was just pissed that it was so obvious Michael Harris had passed him and that like the Braves were were going on that route because um, it had been obvious for like a year and he got really mad. It was obvious when they traded for four outfielders at the deadline and he's just sitting yeah. there in AAA like, what about me, guys? I'm here. I've been ready for two years. What do you, I've been in AAA for two years kind of doing my thing anyway. A uh, lot of Braves, a lot of Brewers talk, but uh, I'm not That's just us. I'm not apologizing for anything. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's going to do it. Lindsay, thank you so much. Uh, can you kind of let people know where they can follow you on Twitter, how to get a hold of that podcast if for whatever reason they are not listening to it, and uh, maybe plug anything else you'd like to here at the end? Absolutely. I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, my show, Locked in MLB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Like we said in the open, it is the number one daily minor league baseball podcast because it is the only daily minor league baseball podcast. Uh, so it's available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Please check it out. Yeah. I just leave off that last part. Just, just, it's the number one. Yeah. It's the number one. It's the number one. It is like the number two or three minor league baseball podcasts on YouTube. Like in just in general. Oh, the YouTubers are into it. Very nice. Yeah. I love it. We should get on YouTube, David. We should know. Yeah. You'd have to show your face though, Alex. I know. I got some cool memorabilia I could have in the background that I, you know. Finally, I got, I got to perfect. start putting up. I got to start putting up my decorations in my new place here. Yeah, I'm full. Yeah. I'm just full of concert posters back there behind me. Bunch of Jason Isbell. Yeah, no, fair enough. Very nice. All right, well, that's gonna do it for here uh, for us here on Futures Focus. This is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 
1500. Uh, keep checking out the site. There's actually a really good um, article that was released a few days ago. If you're listening to this as I get this published and, and out to you, but uh, Tony BPS about uh, the best baseball books. Um, really the only books I read, even though I'm an English teacher, it's uh, it's baseball books. <laughs> I wish I could teach them in the, the classroom. They won't let me yet, but still a great article. Check that out. Keep checking out some stuff. Um, we'll, we'll keep kind of finishing up the year here with you. Going over those call-ups, September is going to be a big one for the last wave of call-ups. And, of course, we got some fall ball that's going to be starting up after the season. So still a lot of baseball left. Of course, this is the time where real baseball gets uh, – well, I shouldn't say real. It's all real baseball. Major League Baseball gets very exciting with the playoff race. Um, and, of course, that thing called football starting up as well. No minor league football, though. That's called college. Yeah, that's called college indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, check out uh, David on, on Twitter. Check myself out on Twitter. Lindsay on Twitter. You got all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Future Focus. We're out. <laughs>